Hey there, welcome to the Love to Learn podcast. My name is Laura. I'll be your host. At Love to Learn, you can expect to hear from passionate educators who are dedicated to the art and craft of teaching. You'll hear from teachers in the trenches, instructional coaches, administrators, and innovators and experts in the field of education. Teaching is one of the most difficult and rewarding professions on the planet. It's my hope that through our shared stories, you'll come away inspired and refreshed because every day is a great day to learn something new. Hey there, welcome to today's episode of the Love to Learn podcast. I am pretty excited to interview my guest today. His name is Evan Gammon, and I have known Evan for quite a while, actually, um, as a teacher in the school where he was a student quite a while back, so that kind of tells you I'm a lot older than him, ha ha. But anyway, we also got reacquainted a few years ago at the community theater here in our hometown, Glenwood, Iowa. And Evan is incredibly talented, and I just have great memories of you, Evan, when you were younger, and great memories working with you at theater, and it's thrilling that you have joined my beloved profession of teaching, so I'm excited about that. Just to give you a little background, you as listeners, about Evan, he graduated from Glenwood in 2013 and went to Luther College for a year before transferring to UNI, and he graduated from UNI, which would be the University of Northern Iowa in May. He is currently a first-year teacher in the Underwood Community School District, and he is the 6th through 12th grade vocal music teacher. He also teaches a music theory course as well as a music history and appreciation course. He loves to travel, cook, bake, and spend time with his family and friends, and I'm excited to hear a little bit more about all of that. So... We're going to go ahead and get started. Um, Evan, I had asked you to start off our interview today by telling us a little bit about how you became interested in teaching as a career and then kind of describe your path to accomplishing that. Okay, so um, I really knew from a very young age that I um, wanted to be a teacher. I mean, I can remember um, being in kindergarten and just I, I loved learning always. And I remember wanting to be my teacher. And so, um, yeah, I've always had a passion for school. And so it's just always been really, really clear to me to go into education. And so now it's finally great to be able to follow my dream and make it a reality. That's wonderful. That has to be so exciting, this being your first year of teaching. It is. It's very exciting. It's also very, um, there are a lot of emotions right. <laughs> mixed with it, which I'm sure we'll get into. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very exciting to finally be able to do what I love. That's wonderful. That is so awesome. So let's skip to that real quick um, yeah. and tell us a little bit more. I gave a very brief description in the introduction, but tell us where you're at. Um, and what you're doing, and if you want to go into kind of a typical day, kind of how your schedule flows, yeah. um, let's talk about that. Yeah, so um, I'm actually in Underwood, which for those of you who don't know, is about 30 minutes north of Glenwood. So still kind of um, in southwest Iowa and really familiar with the area, so that's uh, really nice to be close to home and family and friends and everything. Um, yeah, my, I'm, as you said, I'm the 6th through 12th grade teacher, so, um, our district has 
in elementary and middle school, and then in high school. And so I start my mornings at the element or elementary middle school, and I see my sixth grade group first thing in the morning, and then um, I have a seventh and eighth grade chorus, and then after I'm done with that um, group, I go to the middle or to the high school, excuse me. And I see my high school chorus, and then I teach um, my music theory class in the afternoon. And in between all of those courses, I'm giving um, private voice lessons to students during the day. So it's it's really great. And um, starting here in a couple of weeks, I'll actually be busy every uh, about two or three days a week, depending on the week, um, with uh, extracurricular show choir rehearsals at 7 a.m. in the morning. So it's about to get really busy, but no that's okay. <laughs> yes, that is, that is going to be really busy, but yeah. I know you absolutely love it and have yeah. such a passion for it. So yeah. 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 So I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It, it, it's, I mean, as you said, it, it's what I've wanted to do. So I'm, I'm just glad I get to do it now. <laughs> that's fantastic. Hey, I had a question that just kind of came to me while you were talking. Um, something that I guess I do, I don't know the answer to this. So are you endorsed K-12 when you get your music education or can you only, are you only endorsed to do secondary? Yes. So I have to do, um, in the state of Iowa, you are endorsed, you're given a K-12 music education license. Oh, okay. Good. Which means I had to do a middle school or high school student teaching placement and um, an elementary placement. So you have to do both to get certified. Okay, yeah, because I kind of thought since we're friends on Facebook, I thought I had remembered seeing that you did some student teaching also at the elementary level. Yeah, yeah. So I got to do both, which is awesome. I mean, I loved both experiences and I learned so much in both. And even though I'm not at the elementary level now that I have my first position, um, I still learned a lot about, you know, classroom management and all of those sorts of things. And I can still apply those to my middle schoolers and even my high schoolers. So oh, sure. it's, it's it, awesome. It definitely kind of translates up or down yeah. either way. So uh, kind of on that topic, when you then were available, you graduated, you had your endorsement and your certification, your job searching. Did you have a preference for secondary over elementary as you were looking for jobs or not necessarily or what? What, what about that? I kept, I tried kept to keep my mind open as much as possible. Deep down, I really did want a secondary position just because I, I just love high school and middle school students and the amount uh you know, music feeds my soul and so the the level of music that i could do with a high school group very group elementary group um to me was a big appeal and so i really was looking for a middle school or a school position and i got both sure. so <laughs> it's that's perfect. wonderful yeah. yeah it definitely is it definitely is and i would wonder this is just a, another thought that i just had is i would wonder if you know at definitely middle school you know past sixth grade I don't know when they're required versus where they get to choose as an elective but you you definitely at that level have the kids that also really want to be there because they're making the choice to take that class does that kind of factor in a little bit totally totally and it's um I'm in a position because in our district sixth graders are required to take class music class and so those are the kids that um you know, everyone's forced to be forced to be there. 
and um, which is a really great opportunity for me being really latch and really latch onto those students and show them how awesome music is and they 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 want to sign up for music and choir in seventh and eighth grade. So, um, so, um, it's really good for me because and especially as the, I am the I am the middle school and the high school uh, music teacher choir teacher. Um, um, I get to build my own program and I get to I'm the bottom and I'm the bottom and I'm I'm I have everyone in sixth grade so that is my chance to, and then and then hopefully carry them through their the rest of their k-12 education so it's an awesome it's an awesome experience to have and I'm very I consider myself very fortunate to be able to be my own feeder program so absolutely that that really is a great opportunity that you have in a smaller community in a smaller size district yes um, as opposed to a larger district so I I think you're absolutely right that's basically com completely to your advantage yeah, yeah. and you're so dynamic that I'm sure that you're going to get them you know, lining up to sign up for your future classes. I would, I would definitely expect well, that. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, so tell me about your first few weeks as a teacher. Um, some of the high points, the challenges. Um, I really want to know some of those details because for some of us, it's been a while since we've been in that, you know, first year of teaching, but I will say, you know, even throughout my career as a teacher, I have changed positions, I have changed grade levels, right. I have changed districts. So that does kind of that feeling does kind of reinvent itself, so to speak. But just that first right. time, right? I, I just want to hear about it. I I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah, we'll, the, we'll start with the we'll start with some of the challenges. Um, first off, for me, is names. I mean, I have about well over a hundred students between um, my six through 12 program. And with the middle schoolers, I only see them, well, like my sixth graders, I see maybe two days a week. And my uh, seventh and eighth grade, I see about every other day. And so it's not, I, I don't get that uh, continuity to be able to put faces with names. And so right now it is just a struggle for me to learn names because that's to me that's the most important part right now is mm -hmm. being able to make those relationships with students and you can't do that unless you know their name so um that's a huge challenge for me right now um and then just getting into the routine of um you know just the whole new that transition from student to teacher um, mm -hmm. it's, even though I've done my student teaching, it, to me, it's still happening. Like I am the professional in the room and even during student teaching, you know, you're there for, I was in both of my placements for eight weeks. And so th that is not a very long amount of time to establish yourself as a teacher. And then you're switching to another placement, but now it's like, these are my kids and I, they're looking at me like I well, I am the teacher in the room. And so it's just establishing myself as a teacher um, and finding that balance between, um, you know, just work and personal life. And <laughs> so there's a, there's a whole bunch of factors going on right now. Um, but it's, it's, it's great. I'm glad I'm challenged in that way. And um, it's, a, it's a total transition point in my life right now. 
but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's good. Yeah. That is good. And it's good to keep that perspective. I think you have a healthy perspective about it, knowing and acknowledging and being reflective about, yeah, you know, there's some parts of this that are pretty challenging, but yet it's exciting and it's what I wanted to do. And I know it will get easier and I know I'll find that balance. And and so I, I feel like that your perspective on that is just spot on and, and so healthy and reflective. Good. Yeah. Some of the, the high points, you talked about high points. Um, one of the great things that um, when I interviewed for my position um, and kind of uh, and accepted it, uh, one of the things that they wanted to do this year was have a show choir camp in the summer with um, the students who made their show choir. And so for um, four days in August, I got to work with my show choir. And so that was a it was awesome to be able to come in and work with the students and get to know them right away. But then on the first day of school, I mean, my high school choir has 50 kids in it and I already knew 30 of them because they're in show choir. And so it was, it was so nice to kind of go into the first day of school at the high school and just be able to know faces right away and you know, talk, hey, how was the rest of your summer? And um, be able to reconnect with them immediately. And it, it was good because I um, was able to kind of latch onto those kids right away in August. And so kind of by osmosis, you know, the rest of the choir bought in pretty fast um, within the first couple of days of school. And so now it's the high school choirs. I mean, it's it's great. It's, it'll be awesome this year. But that, that was a really good um, thing, I think, especially as a first year teacher to be able to make those relationships right away in the summer with my Definitely. students. So Good. That sounds like you, you are off to a great start with them. And, and I'm sure that it was also nice for them to come and see your face exactly. you know, right away and know someone and have already made that connection with you as well. Yeah, yeah. Great. So... I wanted to talk to you a little bit since you are fresh out of your teacher training program and this being your first year. So now that you're actually in the trenches, so to speak, <laughs> what are some of your thoughts about how your teacher training program prepared you for your career in education now that you've kind of got it underway as you are the one right. <laughs> in the classroom? Right. Um, you know, my band, my band colleague and I have talked about this and, um, you know, college is just such a weird point, especially for people going into education. It's like, you don't really know, like you can take as many classes as you want, but you don't, can't really learn how to be a teacher until you do it. And yes, so- that is so true. Yeah. And so I'm, I feel like I'm always learning right now as a first year teacher, but um, my teacher training program was amazing. I mean, I had great professors who had experience in the field, which is so important, I feel like, when you're mm -hmm. looking at, um, to any future educators out there, um, if you're looking at teacher training programs, I think there's a clear difference between professors who have had experience in a classroom and professors who haven't. And so mm -hmm. um, my, all of, I was fortunate enough to have professors who had real world experience. And so they were a wealth of knowledge um, in my teacher training program. But yeah, um, at UNI, you have three different field experiences before you actually go to student teach. And so that was another great aspect of my training that I feel like mm -hmm. um, not a lot of people get. 
So, um, yeah, I feel like I, of course, I'm biased to you and I, but um, I feel like I was very well prepared for good. student teaching and then teaching. Good. That's good to hear. Well, I, again, I think that um, so a lot of the things that you have said, I think, are so true for first-year teachers. I, right before school started, because I've moved into kind of a new position in my district this year as an instructional coach, so I don't have my own classroom. Yeah, so that's really a new learning curve for me. And before school started, I was at a training that was at UNO, and it was a training for mentors, and we talked a lot about the characteristics of new teachers, because most of us that are mentors haven't been new teachers for a long time. Um, just by the nature of the fact that we're mentors, we are more veteran teachers. And they made such a good point that really stuck with me about something to keep in mind about new teachers. It's that when you're a new teacher, you're kind of in this middle place where, like you already said, you are expected to be the one in charge and the one making the decisions and you are you kind of have that position of of authority so to speak in the classroom and the kids are looking to you but then on the other hand there is you sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you get into it because there exactly. is you know all of those classes and your even the field experience and those things can only prepare you up to a certain point and then when you get in there and it's you know you're the one in charge there's a lot of things that come up that maybe you don't know exactly how to handle or, or, or what to do because even with a great teacher training program, they just can't possibly anticipate every scenario that's going to come up. And so the best thing that they said to us as mentors is just to reiterate over and over to our new teachers to never be afraid to ask questions yep. and never, you know, be a, do not ever worry that any questions are dumb because it can be very overwhelming because on the one hand, you, you know, you don't want to almost admit, oh, I don't really know this, but, you know, but please, please reach out to those veterans. Um, so hopefully you, I, I hope have been paired with some people who are really going to be there for you and be able to mentor you in your district. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Good. That's really good. And that's important to keep in mind. Um, so actually, that was kind of the next thing I wanted to talk about a little bit um, is, um, can you talk a little bit about how your district is providing you support as a first year teacher, either in terms of um, training before the school year started or ongoing training throughout the year or um, professional learning opportunities or giving you a mentor? Yeah. Um, so Underwood is a school, and I don't exactly know the specifications of it, but we have, um, and I don't know how familiar you are with it, but Iowa has that TLC grant program that they've, uh, and I don't know if they've given it to every district or if it's particular districts right now, but it's um, teacher leadership compensation grant, and it basically... Um, gives money to schools to allow for uh, kind of mentor programs and um, uh, mentor teachers and model teachers and all of all of that stuff and instructional coaches and everything. So I am paired with a mentor and I'm lucky enough that I actually got paired with our elementary music teacher. So I have someone in my content area who is um, a veteran teacher who is also assigned as my mentor. So um I feel like I'm so lucky and we have, there's, 
with that grant, there are certain stipulations that we have to meet. So we have to meet for like an hour outside of school, one-on-one -on -one with our mentor, and we have to cover so many um, items and teaching standards in each of our meetings. And so it's, it's a really great program, and I feel like I'm very well supported as a first-year teacher. And Good. yeah, and as they have said multiple times, like they want to see us succeed. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's a great program. And so that's within my district, but then I'm also a member of the American Choral Directors Association. Um, so they also have a mentoring program for first year teachers. And so I'm getting a, a, a retired choir director from somewhere in the state. I don't know yet, uh, where yet, but I will be assigned with them and I can have them in my classroom I think it's four times a year to do help me or to do whatever I want with. And so, um, yeah, I've got lots of resources at my disposal this year, which I think is absolutely great. <laughs> I, is. I consider myself very fortunate. <laughs> yes, that I'm so glad to hear that because I, I really think that well, I just don't really remember. I'm sure maybe I did have, a, in an informal sense, a mentor. I mean, I know I had veteran teachers as a first-year teacher that I, I did reach out to, but I, I think that districts are doing a much better job of being very intentional about providing mentors and training mentors to do a good job mentoring new teachers because what we learned in our mentor training was that within the first five years, I, I think the statistic was 50% of teachers yep. or up to 50% leave the profession. Yeah. And that is, that is just not okay. I mean, we don't want that to happen. And we want to keep those of you that are, are young and fresh and passionate and enthusiastic and coming out with all these great ideas and all this learning. Um, we want you all to stay. And so I'm really happy that it seems that districts are doing a better job of being intentional about that. I'm, and I'm thrilled that you feel well supported. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's great. That is really great. So I was going to ask, um, and I'll go ahead and ask it and you may say you, you don't have, you can't think of anything, but I was going to ask you if you do have any thoughts whatsoever about anything that, could be improved or anything else that could be done to help support you as a new teacher? Hmm. You know, um, this, this answer might change throughout the year and as we really get into the swing of things, but um, I really don't think anything could be improved right now. Um, I feel like both of the kind of the mentorship programs that I have are well designed and um, I think they're great resources that I have as a first year teacher. And so that answer might change as we go into, as I kind of dive into things, but as of right now, um, no, I don't, I don't think anything can be improved off the top of my head. Good. Well, and I know since you're a music teacher, I just know this from um, being a preschool teacher in my school district prior to moving into my coaching position and also talking to teachers who are in those specialty areas is that there are some subcategories in education, such as the specials teachers or special education teachers or preschool teachers that sometimes feel left out in some of those district yeah. professional development things because some of it doesn't apply to us per se. Definitely. And so um, 
I think it's great that your mentor, like you already said, is from your content area. That's wonderful. Exactly. Exactly. That's really wonderful because um, I I don't know that I would be a very great mentor to a vocal music teacher at the secondary level. I mean, just because I've taught for over 20 years doesn't mean I would know how to answer your specific questions. And so I think that's really great that you have that a mentor right in your in your area. Yeah, that's really good. So we'll move on from kind of the mentor and the new teacher support conversation. And I was wanting to know, um, what are some of the things, because you're just at the beginning of this first year, so I think I can ask it this way. What are you most looking forward to and what are you most dreading or concerned about as you look ahead to the this first year of teaching? Yeah, um, I am just looking forward to being able to finally have my own classroom and my own students and being able to build relationships with them and getting involved in the community and uh, getting involved with parents and being able to put on a concert and be like, this is what we've been learning and this is what we've been covering over the past X amount of weeks. Um, I, it's, it's, I, I mean, I've always loved performing and um, that sort of, stuff and so Mm -hmm. being able to do that for an audience of the parents of my students like that it excites me and it it really um just gives me so much to look forward to for this year um for kind of things that I'm kind of dreading or that I'm concerned about there see I'm finding out quickly there are a lot of (laughs) there's a lot of paperwork involved and um so just making sure to stay organized and stay on top of things and um, kind of meeting deadlines and that sort of thing and registration for festivals and, you know, making sure that I have a transportation request filled out and the registration form filled in and a purchase order done and making sure that I have all the music. And so it's um, spreadsheets are my life right now. <laughs> so oh, I bet they are. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so um, it's, I'm always, I have a fear of missing a deadline or um, any, something like that. And so um, just being able to stay on top of things. Yeah, that, that does make sense. And that's one of those things that, you know, you're going to iron out a lot of the details of staying on top of all of that this year and so that will make next year even more streamlined once you kind of get get things just kind of get that overview or that scope of what right what everything is that you do have to maintain and and that deadlines you have to meet and then that will definitely get easier exactly exactly that that makes a lot of sense so you were talking about being excited for your concerts so do you do you have I'm sure you know this already. Do you have a set number of concerts for both middle school and high school during the year? Yes. Yep. Our um, fall concert is coming up here in October. Oh, And so we have that. And then we have a winter concert that is, our fall concert is just 7 through 12 grades. Mm -hmm. And then our um, holiday concert is going to be 6 through 12. And uh, kind of the same thing in the second half of the year as well. So we've got, with the seventh through 12th graders, we have about four concerts a year. And then the sixth graders have two concerts a year. Um, And so it's all about picking music that is accessible to each of those groups and um, 
will make each of those groups feel successful as well and something that being able to put something together that they're proud of and yeah. um yeah when it comes to uh concerts and everything like that i'm all about making sure that students are proud of the work that they're putting out there and mm -hmm. not um embarrassed or anything like that so that it, and as a first year teacher and coming from a collegiate level uh choir ensemble going to a sixth grade choir is is very it's a huge shift and your your expectations are that's that's another big challenge that i'm facing right now is my expectations are way up here because i'm used to singing in a professional level organization and now i have to not lower those standards but i have to reevaluate okay sixth graders are not capable of doing this high level literature and so um yeah it's 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 a change and trying to pick music for a choir of students that you don't know or have never worked with is very difficult <laughs> yeah so, I bet it would be yeah. I bet it would be that that does that that's something that I hadn't thought of before but it does make sense so you have to kind of figure out how to scale back or adjust backwards because you know that by the time you have those kids in 12th grade where you where you like to have them and what they'll be capable of, but then you have to kind of backstep. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, for example, I had a piece, I had my concert picked out, ready to go, ready to order the music, and my accompanist, who happens to be a retired collegiate-level choir director, so she's another informal mentor who is going to be a wealth of information to me this year, um... She, I was kind of running things by her, and she goes, "No, you need to relook at this." And so I'm like, <laughs> "All right, let's do that." <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it, it's a learning experience, but it'll it'll be great. Yeah. Well, that's great. That's wonderful that um, she was she was able to be there and kind of point that out to you. And and how wonderful that you are open to listening to to someone who's who's been through it before and and say okay yep i i see it now thank you let's move back yep. and that's great sounds like you're gonna have a great relationship with her yeah yep good that's really great um so this is kind of a good segue again into what i want to talk about next um because i do feel like when you are a new teacher, and I actually do remember this, even though it was so long ago, I kind of remember that feeling of being really excited and having learned some new techniques or strategies and then going into the the setting with teachers who had been around for a while and feeling like they maybe didn't necessarily value what a new teacher could bring to the table. Um, so I think that that can sometimes be a, a, a situation that new teachers can encounter. Um, so I wanted to ask you, what do you feel that veteran teachers can learn from new teachers? Because veterans definitely can learn from new teachers, even if they think they can't, some of them, but they can. So what are your thoughts about that? Um, yeah, I think veteran teachers have, um, can learn a lot from new teachers, especially when it comes to using technology in the classroom. Because, um, I mean, my generation grew up with technology. We've been using the internet and computers since we were little. And so uh, we know how to run these machines and know of apps that can help in the classroom. And 
all of that. And so I feel like it's, um, especially when it comes to new teaching techniques and uh, technology, veteran teachers can learn a lot from their um, younger uh, colleagues. I would definitely agree. I would definitely agree with that. Um, so what do you think then the flip side of that question would be? What can you as a new teacher learn from the veteran teachers, even though they may not be able to teach you about technology? What what can what can you learn from those people that have been around for a while, do you think? Oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> <laughs> I I have been asking so many veteran teachers, you know, what what's your what's your secret for this? You know, what do you do in this situation? Or um everything from classroom management to dealing with problem students or you know just anything because they've been there they've done that they've they've done it all and so yeah um some of my uh i i've been making connections with retired choir directors from around the area and yeah they are going to be my (laughs) number one resource this year and because they've done it all and they've taught in a small school for you know however many years and they know how to do it they they were successful so yeah I would be stupid to not take their information and their knowledge and apply it to my own teaching so right yeah yeah I I agree that I, I do think that that new teachers can learn a lot from veterans definitely and I I love that you are just so open to reach to reaching out I think that is not as easy for some teachers um, to do just for some of the reasons that we talked about earlier, just that hesitancy and that worried worries about, Oh, I should already know this. So I I think that you are a step ahead just in your openness and willingness to reach out and, and realize that you don't know everything right now, but you're going to learn it and that there's people that are there to help. So that's wonderful. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So, um, The last kind of teacher question that I wanted to talk to you about before we kind of wrap the interview was, as you went through your teacher training program and and you've been in and out of classrooms and schools, what, in your opinion, are some of the biggest challenges that public education faces today? And there are so many things that are challenging. There's so many things that are doing, that, that, are happening that are wonderful as well. But what do you think are some of the biggest challenges? You can frame this in terms of your school and district or nationally, however you want to tackle it. Okay. Um, as a vocal music teacher, obviously one of the biggest problems right now in our country in public education is the um, rise of standardized testing, which has turned into a focus on core subjects and kind of uh, letting arts fall by the wayside. And so, I mean, across the country, we've seen um, funding for arts education be cut in numerous cities and states across the country. And so that, to me, is a huge problem. And um, just because there's so much value in the arts and so much that can be learned and expressed through the arts and that I think um, students place place where they can go and express themselves freely and escape from the normal um, core subjects, so to speak, of school. And so that to me, that to me is a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Um, Another, and just generally speaking is 
um, and I don't mean to turn this into a political conversation, <laughs> but um, I feel like a lot of our lawmakers making the policy about education haven't really stepped foot in a classroom and don't know don't know what it's like to teach and don't know how overworked and underpaid we are, <laughs> frankly. And so um, that is a huge problem that I have is that our lawmakers at the state and national level haven't stepped foot in a classroom and don't really know the struggles that we face every day as public teachers. Um, You're, yep, that so, is so true. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. And I think that you would definitely find that most, if not all of us that have been in education for a long time, those, those are kind of entrenched things. And, you know, the, the idea that the people who make the laws about education are pretty far removed from the classroom and that that's been an ongoing struggle definitely so I think it's important for teachers to speak up and to contact their their legislators and to invite those people into classrooms because you can't really walk through in my opinion um, the halls of any public school and not see that there are some amazing things going on and also just the tremendous task that that it that falls on the shoulders of teachers to educate children it's you just don't really appreciate that until you actually step into classroom exactly exactly yeah i completely agree yeah um so this has been really a joy to talk to you and what i'm hoping to do i can't remember if i actually told you this or not but what i was what i'm hoping you would be willing to do is to um, let me interview you a few more times during your first year of teaching so that we can kind of come back and hear how things are going yeah. and, and hear some tidbits and uh, highlights. Um, I would love to have a couple more of, of those interviews with you during the course of the school year, maybe once a quarter is what I was thinking. Yeah, let's do it. Yep. Yes, yes. Yeah, so so we'll, we'll follow up and um, find out what's been happening. And so... Before we wrap up the interview, I always like to end my interviews with my guests by asking two questions because I did call it the Love to Learn podcast for a reason because um, I think I love that you said this right in the beginning. I think it was when you were describing that you always kind of knew that you wanted to be a teacher and I think you might have even used the phrase lifelong learner that you've just always loved to learn and I just love the idea that you're never too old to learn something new and there's just an unlimited amount of things out there to learn about so I wanted to ask you what is something that you have learned recently and it does not have to be career related it can be anything a skill knowledge information anything hmm. what have I learned lately you know, this is, so back to my hobby of baking. Um, I made a batch of cinnamon rolls the other day. And that I, I, when I do cinnamon rolls, I make them the dough from scratch and everything. And it was, they were the most perfect cinnamon rolls that I've ever made. Wow. And so, yeah, I was pretty dang proud of them. But, I think you um, put a picture of them on Facebook. I, <laughs> I definitely I, did. I, yes. I saw those. Um, yeah, so I finally have learned how to perfect my recipe and it's all about timing with the dough so um that is something i don't know if that counts if that's what you were looking oh for oh my gosh it totally but, counts those are the types of things yes it's, absolutely. it's just it's I just a little it. thing in my life that 
I have finally gotten down, at least I hope, but you never really know with baking. So, um, <laughs> did you take good notes? So I did. How long? Oh, good. I did. Yes, I yeah. did. Um, so, yeah. So does that mean now that you've perfected cinnamon rolls that you you're moving on? No more cinnamon rolls or you'll keep that and then try something else? Or? Well, I think my mother and my siblings would be pretty disappointed if I just <laughs> gave up on cinnamon rolls. So oh, yeah. cinnamon rolls are here to stay. But, they should um, be as well. They should yes, be. yes. I think I'm going to move on a little bit and kind of venture out and maybe do some pies or like some tarts or something. But Oh, wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Baking is a fun hobby. Oh, I love it. So maybe, maybe the answer to my last question will be baking related, but it doesn't have to be. But the last question I usually ask is, what is something new that you would like to learn? And again, it doesn't have to be related to teaching. Just I want to learn a new language. Oh, I really one. do. Um, I took a little bit of Spanish in high school and I think a semester in college. Um, but I um, I really want to learn um, Estonian because I was able to go on a choir tour um, to Estonia and really just kind of fell in love with the country. So my goal is to go back to Estonia and be able to speak the language. Wow, that's amazing. So what would that be something that you would, you know, I mean, this sounds, I don't know, do you get a Rosetta Stone uh, program for that or do um, you try to find a tutor how how would you do they that? they do not have a rosetta stone for estonian but <laughs> um yeah <laughs> they do some uh i think it might be even a university through estonia but they have a um youtube series i found a oh, youtube series oh, cool. so um i think i'm gonna dive into that so that is so great. Yeah. I mean, I love I love that. What a great thing to challenge yourself with. So yeah. just promise that when I um, do your next podcast interview, it doesn't have to be in Estonian. <laughs> that would be no, that would be no. really challenging because that is not one of the things that I necessarily thought I wanted to learn. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, w I won't do that to you. <laughs> okay. You could sing, though. That's what I think that would be great. I feel like maybe the listeners need to... Hear, hear a little bit from one of your concerts or something. We'll have to dream something up there. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah, Give me enough time be... and I'll prepare something. Yeah, that'll be great. All well, right. Evan, it's been a joy and a pleasure to talk to you. I, I just feel so confident that you're going to have a wonderful first year of teaching and that your students are going to benefit so much from your passion and your joy. So I really thank you for taking time out of your busy life to talk to me. And I will let you know when the podcast goes live and then you can share it like crazy. I will do that. Thank you so much for your time and uh, allowing me. It's been such a joy to be on your podcast. So hopefully thank there you. are more podcasts in the future. I have a lot planned. So awesome. I'll keep you. I'll keep you in the loop. All right. Please thank do. you so much, Evan. Good thank night. Thank you. Good night. Yep. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Love to Learn podcast. I would love to connect with you elsewhere, so you can find me at my website, which is lauralovestolearn.com, on Facebook at Laura Loves to Learn, on Instagram at Laura Loves to Learn, and my Twitter handle is LearnLaura. Thanks again for listening, and remember, every day is a great day to learn something new. Thank you.